Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with Scott Moore. He's the CEO of Eurosun Mining, their Romanian-based copper gold play. Uh, think of listing on the LSE later this year. We talked to him about their EIA process, the DFS numbers that have just come out and about doing business in Romania and feeding into the European battery metals ecosystem. If you have thoughts and opinions on that conversation, you can catch that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports and analysis. There's commentaries from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities, including the battery metals ecosystem in Europe and the US. Uh, there are training courses on there to help you with your diligence process. And we do summaries of all of our interviews to save you some time because we know you're busy people. And most importantly, why don't you uh, go and join a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, safe and friendly environment, free from judgment, trolling and abuse. Uh, if that sounds nice to you, you can do that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Scott, how are you, sir? Hey, good to see you this morning here. Good to see you. Where are you? I'm in Romania. Yeah, I've been here for a couple of months, uh, escaping the COVID in Canada, but uh you know, hopefully uh, things are getting better everywhere. Oh, I thought you were permanently based in Romania. So you, you, you skipped home. Oh, I, I go back and forth. Yeah. But, yeah, I go back and forth. But, uh, you know, back and forth is challenging and with air travel these days. So better off to stay close to the project here while we're going through some some critical items uh, and successfully moving forward. So. True. And how is the Romanian government uh, dealing with everything? Yeah, they go back and forth between light lockdowns and, and, and maybe heavier lockdowns. But I think that's generally the consensus uh, across Europe. Uh, but they're also talking about having everybody vaccinated by June 1st and everything wide open. So uh, let's see if that's the, the case. But it's Romania. Remind me, is Romania inside the EU or is it attempting to get in the yeah, EU? Yeah, it's in the EU proper for right. sure. Yeah, it's one of the 27 member states. Uh, you know, advantageous to you know get around and move people and goods and everything else. So we can bring in you know people from anywhere to work on the project. But uh, mainly the team for us is all Romanian. So. Uh, I'm very, as, a, uh, as a Brit, I'm very jealous. I wish we were still were. Uh, yeah, I miss that. Oh, yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah, that that's happened. Um, right, better not talk about depressing matters like that. Let's. We're going to talk about you. So, um, Scott, just favor. We we spoke in October, but for people new to the story, can you give us that one minute overview of the business, and I'll pick it up from there. Sure, sure. I guess uh, going back from October, you know, uh, Eurosun Mining, single-minded asset company. We're developing the Rovina Valley uh, Gold and Copper Project here in Romania. Uh, it's large. Uh, it's the second largest gold mine uh, in Europe. Uh, you know, one of the top 14 undeveloped gold and, and copper projects globally. Uh, it's big. It's simple. Um, and we hold about 7 million ounces of gold and about 1.5 billion pounds of copper. Uh, and it's two open pits and, and one underground. And, and, you know, we've had a big, big success getting the mining license ratified by the federal government. And now we're in the uh, final stages of the environmental permitting and rezoning plans. And uh, we just delivered, a, you know, I think a very robust uh, definitive feasibility study on the project uh, just uh, about a month ago on March the 1st. You have. I saw it. Um, but no one cares. Your market cap's 54 million bucks. No one's listening. Why yeah. not? Yeah, I would say like, you know, for us, it's, you know, driving ahead on the project and, and ticking the boxes and, you know, it's de-risking milestones. It's continually, you know, delivering on permitting, 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 
we've checked the text uh, box now on the technical side of things. Uh, that report actually be, you know, in a couple of days on CDAR. Everybody can read the whole 600 odd pages. But, you know, Romania is always viewed as this anti-mining jurisdiction when in fact it's not. Okay. And we have a big overhang with a, a company called Gabriel Resources that tried to build a very similar size mine to ours. But they use Sinai, they use wet tailings, it's UNESCO World Heritage Site for Roman Ruins, they have to move a village, all those, all those, you know, horrible things that, you know, everybody likes to go against uh, from the NGO perspective, we have none of them, right? So it's, uh, it's a different project, it's a different process, and hence the government's been uh, uh, approving the permits as we go along through the, you know, I would say heavily bureaucratic process, but it is the process, it's very clear cut on what you have to do. And it's just continued checking the boxes uh, as we go forward. Okay, so if, as far as you're concerned, Gabriel Resources, very specific case, doing things that you're not. So no one should draw comparisons to that. Romania is a good jurisdiction for mining. Is that what you're trying to tell us? Yeah, there, there's lots of mines here. In fact, uh, you know, uh, and most of them are, you know, I would say historically been state-owned because again, as a communist country back up until the '90s, you know, state-owned everything, right? So there's not like there's a lot of foreign activity, but what the foreign activity is is a company listed on VAT, uh, on AIM is also down here. They got a big state-owned copper mine, uh, like you know, a similar size project to ours. So it's not like they don't have large-scale mining. They have they have underground mining, coal mining, open pit mining. Uh, it's just not you know heavily in the news uh, as a particularly being most of it state-owned still. Okay, I do want to talk about the pro the project, and I definitely want to talk about the DFS because you know the numbers look really interesting. Okay, but let's deal with some of the other objections I think people are putting up here. So, Force Manhattan, not a very well liked uh, group for some reason. Um, are they still a shareholder? Are they still an influencer in the way that you go about um, running this business? No, in fact, uh, that's that's uh, not the case at all. So you know, Eurosun. I completely left the group uh, back in uh, in May of uh, this year or 2020. Uh, we did a large financing, brought in some very significant institutional shareholders at that time, restructured the company, added new board members, new independent chair, you know, all leading up to, you know, again, somewhat of a divorce, if you want to call it that way. But yeah, we have no, as far as we know, they don't have any shares in the company and, and we're a fully independent company on our own uh, operating uh, without any influence or at all from uh, from the group. Right. Okay. And let's talk about the. Um, you, you made an announcement um, actually earlier last week talking about the <clears throat> environmental uh, assessment process. Okay. Because I think people have been concerned in the past about you're going through a rezoning as well. And, you know, in terms of the EIA, it's, it's a very long, drawn out process, isn't it? Um, not necessarily. And again, just to reiterate, it is a very, you know, very well laid out process on how you deliver the permitting here. So right now, yes, part one is the urbanization certificate for the land, uh, which is a rezoning plan. So you have pastoral land, you have forest land, you got to rezone it. This is leftover from the, again, from the Soviet system to go through this rezoning plan process. And the second half of that same, same uh, process is the uh, strategic environmental assessment, which is done at the county level uh, with the local EPA. And it's basically, you know, checking the box, assembling all our studies that we have on the project, and getting sign-offs or opinions from you know local administrative bodies like the police department, the army. You know, is this a, you know everybody has to check the box. Uh, we'll have a public audience on that around September. Public consultations. We expect to complete uh, in the fall the 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 urbanization certificate for land, and then we are able to file our 
EIA process with the state level government here in Bucharest. Uh, and once you have a positive decision on that, you actually get a construction license uh, delivered within 30 days. So the EIA process at the state level is very, you know, quasi-technical. So you have to deliver, you know, almost not quite detailed engineering, but high level engineering in order to get the construction license. And that's all now flowing out of the feasibility study, which we just delivered. Okay, okay. And the other, the other thing I noticed was um, Peter Vakanovic, as uh, Kamano's exact chairman, why is, why is he being brought in? What's he going to give you? Well, again, you know, uh, ESG principles are very key for us. You know, we have the, I think we have the big E here with the environmental side of things, having dry stack tailings and no cyanide. Uh, the social side of things, we have a you know, tremendous opportunity on the ground here with, you know, local support, uh, county support and federal support as demonstrated by the mining license. And the governance side is, you know, continued having, you know, independent chairs. Uh, I'm the only exec on the board. And also we are anticipating going forward with a listing on the London Stock Exchange this quarter. Uh, and an independent chair is, is definitely a requirement for a, a listing uh, in London. And again, you know, we are delivering, you know, electric metals from the European Union into the European Union and having a London listing and putting the eyeballs on a European story, I think is a big part of how we can raise the, uh, the market awareness and the share price of the company in, in, in a big re-rating way. And each, so are you aiming for the main boards or on AIM? It's a it's a main board listing, yeah. So it's a standard listing they call it. Uh, uh, again, we are listed on the main board of Toronto, so we don't have to go down the AIM route. You know, we're not a venture listed company. We are a serious company with a serious asset, and uh, yeah, this would be an LST main board listing. And what gives you? I mean, that's going to that costs money, right? You know, again, so come back. Yeah, it, yeah it's, you raised some money last yeah. last June, right? And but the yep. market cap is the market cap, and it's you know to raise money at this level is pretty expensive. What gives you the confidence that you know Europe's going to be interested in your story? Well, I, I think it's the whole the whole narrative of you know electric metals and EVs and, and everything else coming into the European Union, and there's very you know this is a big market. It's going to continue to grow, and for us being one of the let's say the near term projects to deliver. You know, copper into the into the uh, into the European Union to support all that infrastructure, the growth of EVs uh, throughout Europe, um, even the infrastructure associated with electric vehicles takes a tremendous amount of copper. And with the feasibility study, we're now bringing in our second open pit deposit, which is mostly copper. So we actually are effectively a copper company. We only we only make a copper concentrate. Uh, it happens to have high grade gold in it, but you know we're we're a copper company that has you know 60 40 gold to copper on a revenue split. So uh, we only make a copper concentrate, and and we will deliver that likely to a a smelter within the European Union as well. Right. Okay. So let, let's let's talk about this DFS. The, some the numbers that came out of it. You, you, I mean, well, why don't you give us the highlights first of all? Sure. You know, uh, big change from the PEA of 2019. Longer mine life. So we're looking on 17 years uh, mine life versus 12 in the PEA. We probably have about another two years of stockpiles after that. Once we're that's not included in 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 the feasibility study. Um, we put a pin in the in the in the capex, so sub four hundred million dollar capex. Again, porphyry systems tend to be, you know, billion dollar capex, right? But so all the infrastructure of being in a first world area like Romania, you know, drive to site on four lane paved highways, everybody lives in a house, don't have to build a camp. Uh, these are all important factors to lowering that capex number, and they're actual bids. So that that's a very high level confidence in a feasibility study. You know, plus minus ten percent. You know, every other piece of equipment has an actual quote on it. You know you know, uh, land movement, everything else is, is all included. So that confidence level, putting that pin in, in a, you know, what we sh show right now is 146,000 ounces a year for the first 10 years, uh, 132,000 ounces over life of mine. 
an ASIC of 813. So this is like first quartile in terms of uh, all in sustaining costs. Uh, it's a big, simple mine that makes a lot of money. You know, and if I look at, you know, the feasibility was done at 1550 and 330 copper, MPV 360 million US, 19% internal rate of return. And if I look at spot pricing, the MPV doubles uh, to about 650 million and the MPV almost 27%. So highly levered to gold and copper prices, as you would expect with porphyry systems. Um, you know, we're going to mine 7 million tons a year. Somewhere down the road, you might want to mine 14 million tons a year, but you want a project that you can build, start, operate, and scale at a later date. Okay, given you put the DFS numbers out there, given you, you're talking the story of you know battery metals within the the EV ecosystem there in Europe, um, conversations with banks, with debt providers on this 400 or well, sub 400 million dollar number. Have you had any? We've had a number of them have already started. Everybody's waiting for that actual document to be filed on our you know CDAR process, which is uh, like two days away. So we'll have that. Uh, you know, filed on the, roughly the 14th of April. Uh, everybody can read the, you know, the exciting uh, 400 pages or 600 pages, whatever it is. Uh, but that's the key point. So we've we've also we've also had uh, NDAs already signed with some of the major French banks, which participate in project finance uh, on a global basis. Uh, you know, the, you look at the Natixis, uh, the, the BNB Paribas. Uh, lots of discussions already starting on going with the German development banks again, delivering copper into the European Union uh, as key and looking for support. Uh, European Bank for Reconstruction and Development, ongoing discussions there on on participation in the project. So yeah, the, the debt side is well advanced, including a number of private equity debt funds as well uh, and credit funds. So like I think this is a uh, the ability to bring capital into the in Romania is easy, but more importantly, the, it's very easy to get money out of Romania, which is very challenging in some places in mining. Like we're in the European Union. Want to drop $100 million in Romania? You can take $100 million out tomorrow. You can't do that in a lot of Latin American countries or African countries. You know, it's, it's very difficult to flow capital in and out in some other jurisdictions. It's very easy here. We've got a stable currency. We're not on the euro. This is a big important factor too for cost perspective. Uh, we're a power intensive company because we are uh, uh, mining and milling, but power is inexpensive here. Most of it's generated either through hydroelectric or nuclear power in Romania. We're connected to the national grid. You know, uh, this is clean power. Uh, we're conveying materials instead of trucking for the most part, uh, all lowering our carbon footprint on the project. So I think when you look at dry stacking, no no wet tails, conveying where you are, you know, env- uh, green power, we're checking all the buttons on ESG that you can possibly think of to make sure that, you know, this project fits into the, the highest and best standards for uh, environmental stewardship. See, I mean, interesting point you just made. You compared yourself to South American countries, right? And uh, you, yeah, but, but I said one of the, one of the big objections that people have, one of the things they're slightly nervous about, is doing business in Romania. It's not. I don't think it's entirely down to what happened with Gabriel Resources. It's a case of no one knows it, no one understands it. You, you, you would. What are you arguing that you're you're a better jurisdiction than say? A few of these South American companies that the countries well, that we, I, I have worked in, like, yeah, I have I have worked in like you know spent a long time in Peru, you know, and and the challenging jurisdictions and, and a lot of it is you know bureaucratic governments. It's uh, governments that change uh, a lot. It's uh, capital flows. Uh, it's social opposition. Uh, you know, these are all the challenges that you have in let's say Latin American countries. We're in the EU. This is like it's like working in Germany, right? Like everybody's driving around and you know. 
Audis and BMWs and uh, and Skodas and and you name it. Uh, every major corporation that you think of uh, operates in Romania: Microsoft, Oracle, you know, Continental Tires, Renault, Ford, you name it. So it, it is a proper jurisdiction. Uh, and I think just because it's in, in in Eastern Europe, it's kind of been a bit off the map for for quite some time. But uh, listen, it's 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 one of the best jurisdictions I've operated in, particularly for the the permitting phase of things. Um, yes, it's bureaucratic, as you would expect coming out of post communism, but it's a process. It's designed. You go through the process, you check the box, you move to the next step. And so you know we're a big project. Our project footprint is like 505 hectares, over a thousand acres. So as you can expect, this is a big complex project uh, that takes time. Uh, it's going to take, you know, all, probably a year and a half to build. You know, it's big. Uh, but, you know, again, the process is well-defined and we're checking the boxes and getting continued support. The, big, the biggest challenge was getting that mining license ratified by, you know, six senior ministers and the prime minister. That's published in the, in the National Official Gazette. So all the, all the success is there to move this project forward. And we just got to keep hitting it. All the investors saying, guys, wake up. This is $60 million. This is a crazy price for, you know, 150,000 ounces of production for a deck, two decades uh, with a capex uh, of, of under 400 million with a mining license in hand. So I think that's the big focus of us is continuing hand forward that uh, mining uh, permitting is going well. It's moving forward. Yes, it's bureaucratic, does move fast. No permitting in, in mining moves fast as we all know, okay? And the government's not flip-flopping, going back and forth, like Ecuador saying, well, here, here's a brand new moratorium on mining. Well, no, we don't have that here. It just keeps moving forward. The, the country's been in the European Union since 2007. It continues to mature, uh, as you would expect, uh, and follow, and, and again, our project is following all uh, Romanian and European Union regulations, which, as you can expect, are somewhat onerous when it comes to environmental side of things. And again, dry stacking, no cyanide, this is the best environmental project, uh, uh, copper and gold project out there right now being built. So, I mean, you, you've had a, you've had a, I mean, you've had a tough run of it. Okay, you've had to deal with people's perceptions of Manhattan Forbes, the country itself, the ability to get permits, uh, ability to get a mining license. Uh, it's one thing after the other. What's the what's the moment you think going forward, looking forward on this project, that people are going to start paying attention? Is it the London listing? Is it the EIA approval? I mean, what's, what, how do we get a sense of the timing that we're looking at here? Well, listen, you know, I, people can look at what happened in our shareholder base in, in 2020, right? So you brought in, you know, we did a, a large financing with with Sprott Capital Partners. We brought in, you know, three of the larger gold funds, institutional funds out there with Ruffer, Franklin Templeton and the ASA Gold Fund, Merck, BNP Paribas Fund, Exios, uh, APAC out of Hong Kong, a very strong institutional shareholder base, which is probably now over 50% of our, our shareholders are, are institutional. You know, the classic uptick in the, in the Lausanne curve as we move into the development phase and every new piece of news that we put out that demonstrates positive permitting progress, I think will be absolutely well received by all investors going forward. Again, we're going through the going to start going through the financing phase and putting financing packages together. Again, very keen interest from the French banks, the Germans, the private equity funds, the head, the credit funds. Uh, it's Europe. It's not Africa. It's not Latin America. You know, when you talk about country risk, there's no country risk, right? This is the, you can get your money in, you can get your money out, right? And that's the important factor that we're dealing with here. So, talking about the money um, raising money, and I get the de the debt 
component you're going after on the cap base off the back of the DFS. But you're going to have to put some equity in. And at the you know current 54 million level, you know, that's expensive equity. That's potentially very dilutive to you. What what are the options there for you to minimize dilution or yeah, damaging listen, we, that we capital structure? We have to get the share price higher. That's that's the full full stop. Okay, you're not raising you know 150 million dollars equity with a 50 million dollar market cap. You just you just don't do that, right? You know, but you know, one thing we have been able to achieve is we've kept the cap structure wide open. Okay. We have no debt. We have no streams. We have no royalties other than, you know, state royalties here. Uh, no, no, no uh, gold loans, no prepays, no offtake agreements yet. So we have a, a lot of optionality in how we fund the project. But the equity side is it's all about share price, you know, uh, and we're focused on delivering continued news on, on positive uh, permit progress. And the technical side shows that this is a robust project. So at some point, the share price has to you know, investors have to look at it and say, hey, this makes a lot of sense. Let's get in. And, and certainly at this price, uh, it's a steal. Um, you know, and I think the idea that we continue to demonstrate uh, good news, the valuable surface, it has to, you know, uh, and we're very positive about that as well. Okay, it's a steal. Are you buying any shares? Uh, I'm allowed to buy after the 15th. I look forward to seeing that. One thing everybody forgets is, you know, CEOs have all these kind of news and blackout periods and everything else. And until you file that technical report, uh, you are blacked out. But then, you know, I think at that point, we're, we're being in a position to start uh, buying some shares as well. Yeah. Beautiful. Which is what I said in October. Okay, Scott, appreciate the update here. Um, you're, you're getting through that tick list of yours. Um, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Yeah, we got a big spreadsheet where we're ticking it away. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.